Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Strides Forward where we share stories of women marathon and ultra-marathon runners. I am Cherie Louise Turner, a runner and also the host and creator of Strides Forward. This episode launches us into our second season, and we're exploring a new theme. It's running in a woman's body, and we're focusing on three experiences that are common to women—menopause, red S, and pregnancy— Each episode will feature one runner talking about her experiences around one of these topics. For this episode, we're talking about menopause, which means we're also focusing on running as we get older. I was particularly excited to start this series here for selfish reasons. I've been an athlete pretty much my entire life. I competed as a gymnast until I was 13. I wasn't very good, but I loved the workouts and the competition. My seriously competitive days came in my late teens when I fell in love with racing my bike on the road and track. And I eventually earned a spot on a professional team in my early 20s. I left full-time competition when I stopped racing my bike, but my competitive spirit has remained ever since. Striving to be faster and stronger and perform the very best that I can in the events that I sign up for is what motivates me. I don't think of running as exercising. I think of it as training. And training is about getting better. And in the running world, better is generally always associated with faster. But I'm 51, and I'm facing the reality of a body that's changing. Thankfully, now more than ever, there are amazing resources available for menopausal women, which is where I'm at. I really love what the team at Coach Perry is doing. They have a great YouTube series called The Female Athlete and a coaching program called The Running Through Menopause Master Plan. I turn to the exceptional work of Dr. Stacey Sims, as well as Celine Yeager, including the podcast Celine hosts called Hit Play, Not Pause. And I'm loving Barbara Hannah Grufferman's newsletter, The Menopause Cheat Sheet. And something to look forward to here is that Barbara will be featured on an upcoming episode of this series talking about her menopausal journey. These are just some of the resources I really like and that I've really been benefiting from. And I'll provide all the information in the show notes so you can check them out for yourself. But even with all of these great resources, I've had an ongoing personal struggle. How can I feel like I'm improving as an athlete, that I'm staying competitive, when actually I'm just getting slower? And then I talked to this runner. Okay. Um, I'm Sophie Spidell, and I live in Charlottesville, Virginia. I am the mom of three adult children and wife and a school counselor and an ultra runner. Not in that order all the time. (laughs) Sophie, who is now 58, got into sports early in her life. I'm the youngest of four girls, and 
we were all pretty competitive growing up. And one of my sisters was really a great athlete, and I wanted to be just like her. The first sport that captured Sophie's heart was lacrosse, which she played in high school all the way through college at the University of Virginia, and then she went on to play on the U.S. national team. Looking for somewhere else to channel her competitive drive after lacrosse, Sophie did focus for a time on triathlon, and then one fateful day, she had a conversation with a friend. It was really trail running that flipped a switch for me, short-distance trail running, around Charlottesville and um, in the mountains near here. And I had done a road marathon and somebody who had done trail ultras said to me, well, if you can run a marathon, you can run five more miles and do an ultra. And I'm like, oh, okay, 50K, right? And so I started in 2002, I ran my first 50K. So that, that started my long love affair with trail ultra running. Sophie has now been logging miles for years, which also means there's a lot of data available about her past performances and training. GPS watches can track every step and store the information forevermore. Races make times and placings available for everyone to look at. And then there's Strava, which is like Facebook, but for athletes. You post your workouts or you can have them upload automatically from your GPS watch, so you can share all your athletic adventures with your friends and followers. In the age of Strava, right, and GPS watches, I kind of wish that we could go back. You know, 10 years ago, we didn't have any of that stuff. I did get on Strava a few years ago, and it's like, oh boy, talk about going down a rabbit hole. Because then you start comparing all of that stuff. And that, I think, has been for me, a big challenge. It's like, you're not going to run the same route that you ran in 2013 at the same pace and the same speed. You know, just accept that. So getting to those basics of acceptance at my age um, was hard, but it's getting easier. We all know it's coming. With age, we slow down. Our days of reaching our greatest physical potentials of strength and speed and agility recede as we get older. If there are any challenges there of my own doing, right? It's no longer do I feel like I can, I'm always bringing up the caboose when I'm running with the fast people. Um, and I always feel kind of bad about that. Like, and I always tell them up front, you know, do not wait for me. You guys go do your thing. So there is the reality of that. I think uh, ageism is a little bit real in our sport too, be, with the younger folks coming in because I remember looking at some of the older women ahead of me when I was in my early 40s and women who were in their 50s and 60s at the time and being a little dismissive of the of them as, you know, to, like their times at races and that kind of stuff. And I look back now and I go, oh, that, I should not have done that because I, I definitely feel that there's a little bit of dismissiveness of, of your elders. Right. And, and the ex- experience that we can share so I think that is a, a bummer, but that's that's something that we see across our culture is ageism, right? Sophie was at a crossroads. She still had a competitive drive, but she couldn't measure success or even improvement in the same ways that she had before. 
So I'm really grateful that I can do what I'm doing. So I, whenever I find myself starting playing those games, those head games about being slower, I immediately try to go to gratitude. You know, it's all about gratitude. It's all about being able to do what we're doing and just stop worrying about the data. And of course, in tandem with navigating this new reality of becoming less fast, Sophie was approaching menopause. And her knowledge about what that journey was all about was a bit, well... Yeah, nothing. I knew nothing. Nobody really talked to us about menopause. And my mom was of a different generation, so we didn't necessarily have those talks as much as I think I would have liked to have. So I didn't really know what was happening, you know, in my late 40s until I had really, really strong and heavy periods. Necessity is the mother of, in this case, learning about menopause. Sophie started that journey by turning to her longtime gynecologist, who confirmed that what she was experiencing was totally normal. I think my doctor would agree that I checked kind of the normal boxes of perimenopause or menopausal experience. So super heavy at times. Um, I was pretty, I never missed a period growing up or in my adult life. Even with my endurance running, I'm very aware of the importance of bone health and bone density and eating well. So I fortunately never skipped a period, even though I was putting in long distance, a lot of miles. So I had a pretty healthy base to begin with there. The specifics of every menopause journey are different. Symptoms vary, as do their intensity and duration. For some women, menopause has a huge impact on their day-to-day, and for others, it doesn't. Yeah, I think I I probably had night sweats, but again, nothing that was debilitating. So I found myself reading up on it and wondering, gosh, you know, I have night sweats, but I'm not drenched in the morning. You know, I I was reading about what other women were experiencing or hearing about what other women are experiencing, and I I felt lucky. I was like, okay, you know, this is just my body doing its thing. So again, I really feel fortunate. And I don't know if my endurance running was helping, right? If, if because I was um, relieving stress in a healthy way, because I was eating well and getting a lot of good sleep, you know, the rest of my lifestyle was in a good place. Sophie, it turned out, was one of those people who had minimal symptoms, but still they weren't predictable or controllable. In trail running, we're, we're running single file on these trails. And I do have a distinct memory of running with some women I did not know very well. And I was having my period and I had come prepared with like five super tampons in a, in a baggie. And I kept ducking into the woods because I had to change them. I mean, this is kind of what, during a run, I would, I would probably have a heavier flow than maybe not. And then I realized I was, I was out of tampons and I had to get in the back of the line. And I confided to this woman who's now a really good friend. I said, look, I'm having my period. This is really gross. I'm just going to get in the back because you do not want to see what's going on. And, but that's, that's so funny too, because that's what ultra, that's, that's our, our, our community. We're, we, you know, we go to the bathroom in the woods and we talk very candidly about our bodies. Um, And so I had no problem kind of confiding that with her, but yeah, that was probably the thing that would 
scare me the most is not being able to deal with these heavy flows in the middle of nowhere. Sophie found understanding in her running community as well as some wisdom. My friend, Martha, who had already been through it, she said, I said, Martha, tell me, you know, we, we were you know, talking on the trail about the, the frustration of these big periods, for example. And, and she's like, look, it, you'll get this really, really bad one and then it'll stop. I promise. You know, that was her, her diagnosis or her, her projection. And sure enough, for me, that was a similar thing. But it happened, gosh, I think I went through this whole process of, of, of the big bleeds and the anticipation and all that for about three years. So from like age 48 to 51. And then about 51, 52, and, and my doctor confirmed that she's like, yeah, you'll probably get nothing after you have one really big one. And that's exactly what happened. While some perimenopause symptoms are pretty obvious, some are a bit more elusive. I didn't have the irritability. Okay, you could ask my husband. I probably, (laughs) I'm probably not the person to ask about that. I probably was incredibly irritable during that time. But I'll chalk it up to the fact that my children were at, in their teens and early adulthood, and I was stressing about, you know, what they were doing, probably. So life was just piling on in addition to all that. Life was just piling up on the outside. Menopause was ushering in a new phase of life from the inside. And Sophie was adjusting and observing. It's a big life change, yes. Um, I think the relief of not having to worry, obviously, about the period took you know, was great. From a racing standpoint, it was an interesting time. I, I was able to run my fastest times on, I did a race for 10 years, the same race for 10 years. But as a result of doing it for 10 years, you you can, you know, it took me five years to kind of crack the code of this race and hit a certain time frame. And then once I did, I tried to break, this was a hundred K race and I was trying to break 15 hours. And once I broke 15 hours, it's like the four minute mile. It's like, once you can do it, then it, then all of a sudden you do it again and again. And the, the sixth year and the seventh year, I was able to run my best times ever at this race. And I was 50, I was 51. So I was really kind of in the, the middle of menopause, if you will, um, or towards the end of it. But I was, you know, running PRs at the hundred K distance which was always really interesting to me. I think it was a common, I know it was a combination of, of experience and perspective and the mental health, mental um, toughness and that kind of stuff. So, but isn't that cool that at age 51, you know, a woman or a man could PR at, a, at an endurance event? That's kind of cool. This aging thing had some upsides. There's a lot to be said for obviously life experience. Um, being able to look back and get perspective on a situation. I think, especially at the 100 mile distance, you have to have a lot of emotional control to succeed. And, and what I mean by succeed is really what your own personal goal is. For me, it was always just try to finish this 100 mile race without a death march. Setting her sights on personal goals, say like how to finish strong in a 100 miler, Sophie took stock of other factors in ultra racing where age and experience were a plus. Other factors that she could continue to improve on. 
there are lots of things you can't control. You can't control the weather. You can't control the trail. Um, you can't control whether you, you turn your ankle on a rock at mile 10. But it's how you address those uncontrollables that will dictate how things go, right? So that's a big you know, microcosm of life in my mind. Experience also comes into play when it comes to good race strategy. The idea of, of being able to pace yourself in a smart way. And I think being older, right, and having had some failures um, and some experience saying, okay, last time you did this, this is what happened. So this time, let's change it. And the older you get, the better I think you get at having that kind of perspective. So yes, I think um, having perspective, being able to um, change things based on experience is a huge plus in our sport. Having perspective, yes, definitely. And emotional maturity is a factor as well. It means not getting too excited when things are going well. It's um, early in, I'll use a hundred mile race for, as an example, especially the old dominion, the old dominion hundred is the second oldest 100 in the United States. Um, and the first 30 miles are on rolling for the most part on rolling gravel roads. So it's really, really easy to go fast and to feel great. Oh, I feel so great. You know, of course you do. You've been tapered and you're excited and everything. But it takes a lot of, as I call, emotional control to um, slow, keep it slow. In fact, at the Old Dominion two years ago, I forced myself to walk 20 steps on downhills on purpose because I knew that if I didn't do that early, it would bite me later. And I was so glad that I did that because I had so much left at mile 95. So that's one side of emotional control, reining yourself in from getting overly excited. And there's a flip side as well. When you're feeling really crappy, which always happens in these long things, and, and you a, have to accept that fact that you're going to have a bad, what we call bad patch. Um, but B, okay, how are you going to address that? Are you going to go down that negative rabbit hole of thinking? Or are you going to say to yourself, Okay, you know, name it and claim it. That's what we talk about in mental health practices, right? So it's like, this is a bad patch. How are you going to handle it? And you step away from it from an emotional perspective and get to your logical problem-solving side. With so many factors to dial in, it takes some time to learn how to run these longer distances well. You know, again, I'm almost 20 years into the sport, and I will have to say that um, I've done five 100 mile races, but I've, I, I think I have figured out the 100 mile distance with my fifth one, the Old Dominion 100. But up until then, I wasn't so sure about that distance. That, that was a problem to be solved. In 2018, when she nailed it at the Old Dominion, Sophie was 55. So that's awesome. But what makes this personal victory all the more meaningful is why Sophie chose to run it in the first place. The Old Dominion scared me because it was a scary thing. And I'm thinking, why are you scared of this race? And one of the things I think it was was because of the heat and humidity of Virginia. I just knew really well. And I, don't, I just do not do well in heat and humidity. So I immediately rode off without even trying, you know, the fact that that, that would be um, 
that race would be anything that I could be competitive in for myself. And for me, I wanted to break the 24 hour barrier at Old Dominion. That was the big goal was to go under 24. And I was afraid that I couldn't. And right there, Sophie discovered the prime motivation for tackling this challenge, fear. I had to admit, I, I was scared, right? I was scared of not, not of the race, I was scared of not doing well. And I think that's that as we get older and if we've had success in something, a sport or, or an activity or whatever, it's really hard to accept your, your older self and your older self speed um, and your ability to kind of do things that uh, you were able to do 10 years ago. So I had to I had to own that for sure. And part of owning that became overcoming what was holding her back. Finally, I just realized, stop it, you know, stop with the fear, prepare for it and see what happens. And that was a big learning experience in itself, just letting go of preconceived notions about what I could do. Now, to be fair, the Old Dominion is tough. There's the hot, sweaty, energy-sapping weather just for starters. The course itself poses huge challenges as well. There are 14 notable climbs, and the total elevation gain is about 14,000 feet. To put that in some perspective, that's like climbing 1,400 flights of stairs in a wet sauna over the course of an entire day. Sophie certainly had more than one reason to be afraid. I prepared for it and I accepted the heat. And yes, we had heat and we had humidity and we had rain and it was horrible. But uh, it it ended up great. I broke 24 and I felt like, wow, okay, Uh, you know, I I reached my goal of kind of figuring out that distance, at least for that race. In among finding satisfaction from facing fears and working on all of the elements she can continue to improve in ultra racing, Sophie has found other ways to feed her competitive drive. Because let's be honest, some healthy competition can inspire us to give more than we thought we could. And when you enjoy testing your limits, staying competitive is really just a lot of fun. I love age group competition. So in our ultra community, a lot of the races around here take um, note and publish age group records. And even one race does age records. So like everyone, every woman who is 55 at this race has run this, this pace. So you can see how you stack up, right? So I could go into a race at age 55 and say, okay, what's the best time that a woman has run this race? And then that is what I try to go for. So it's like a virtual race. You're racing against someone from 1992. I did that at the Highland Sky 40. There was an age record that I was shooting for, the um, 50 and over age record at that race. And I had not been there since I was in my 40s. So I went in there trying to break that record and I knew what I had to do and I prepared for it. And it was so much fun because it came down to the wire. It really did come down to the wire. And I broke it by, gosh, maybe five minutes, but, you know, maybe 30 minutes before the finish line, it wasn't not in the bag. So I got a lot of satisfaction from racing a woman who I've never met, um, who set that record 10 years ago. And I hope that somebody's going to go for me, for my records. That's, that to me is like really fun. That same competitive spirit is a driver in Sophie's training as well. 
I think I'm like, you know, bring it. You know, I, I, I go to the track every Wednesday morning with a group of men and fast women, younger women, younger men and fat younger women. And it's so great because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not in the mix with them, but I'm doing the same workout and I don't find myself um, apologizing for that or saying, Oh, you know, I don't, I, I shouldn't be on the track with you guys. I, I think my competitive mindset and my, my attitude um, about just being, staying competitive helps me stay positive. You know, I don't let myself get into that place of, I don't belong here because I'm 57. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't think I've gotten to that point yet and I don't really want to get there. Now in the time of post-menopause, Sophie's focused on what keeps her motivated and challenging herself. As I said earlier, I do appreciate these races that make a point of keeping age records. And you go and you just see, you see where you stack up and where you can go for it. That's really fun to be able to shoot for a time like that. So from a psychological perspective, I don't really feel... I feel like I'm still racing like I was in my 30s. It's just I'm racing different, I'm shooting for different times. And I think that translates well to, you know, how I approach the rest of my life, you know, trying to just be uh, a glass half full person and getting older has perks and we have great experience and perspective and it, it doesn't have to be seen as a negative thing. The plain fact is this. With every day that passes, we're all headed in the direction of getting older. It's one certain truth of being alive. Another certain truth is that, however much slower your speed may become, there's still great joy to be found in pushing your limits and getting out of your comfort zone. Exactly. I mean, I love, I get up so early to go to the track. I get up at 4.30 or 4.15 just so I can go to the pain cave with these people. And I feel so accomplished. And I'm thinking, why do I like that so much? And wrapped up in liking to do the hard work and being motivated and driven to keep competing and facing fears is that deep gratitude of being able to move well as the years go by. I think the, I keep going because there's always something to kind of shoot for, whether it's a race or a new adventure, you know, a new trail that I've never done or a chance to spend the weekend with friends um, in a beautiful place. And by being in shape to do that on a whim, not on a whim, but being able to say, hey, yeah, um, do you want to go to North Carolina and do this really cool trail down there? And it's 17 miles and you got to be fit. You know, it's great to be able to say, yes, I don't have to get in shape for that. You know, just to be able to say yes to things. That's what keeps me going. <laughs> and with that, we come to the end of Sophie Spidell's story. I am really thankful to Sophie for sharing her experiences. I knew her story would be great to feature on Strides Forward. But like I hinted at up top, Sophie's journey also had a big impact on me personally. She helped me see a path forward through my own struggles with getting older as an athlete, and I am filled with a whole new enthusiasm for running. I'm not kidding. 
One that is way more about appreciation and way less about lamenting what I can't do. I'm having fun on the trails like I haven't for years, and I am just overjoyed about it. I first learned about Sophie when I read her article, Running Your Best After Menopause, which she wrote for the Trail Sisters website. Sophie also wrote a fantastic three-part series about preparing for and running the Old Dominion in 2018. Another runner who's written candidly about her own experiences of running and aging is Sarah Lavender-Smith. I really enjoy her blog, The Runner's Trip, which you can find at therunnerstrip.com. Of course, I will put links to everything in the show notes. As always, I am very thankful to you for listening. We love making these stories, but they are meant to be heard. So your being here is a critical part of the equation, and we would love to hear from you. We have a survey, it takes about 10 minutes to complete, and you can find the link to it at the top of our homepage at stridesforwardpodcast.com. The Strides Forward team includes me, Cherie Louise Turner, your host and producer. Cormac O'Regan creates all of the music and scores the show, and he does that from his studio in Cork, Ireland. April Mariner of Bonfire Collaborative does all the design work, including the website, the merchandise, and the logo. She comes to you from Truckee, California, and you can find April at bonfirecollaborative.com. Strides Forward will be back in a couple weeks with another episode about running in the woman's body. Until then, this is Cherie wishing you satisfying Strides Forward. There is no hood like parenthood. When you meet a fellow parent, you just kind of get each other on a whole nother level. Hi, I'm Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm a former CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins, and host of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast. I interview change makers on their life lessons, legacy, and superpower of intuition aka their mom sense and dad sense. I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Join my tribe at thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you.